0: So let's get back into the Word of God this morning. We have been talking about the centrality of Jesus. uh, Sharing on that foundation being Jesus Christ. Let's go back to Psalm 118.21. "'I will praise you, for you have answered me and become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes.'" This doing uh, on this day is the Lord is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. So, I believe this is a prophetic statement for us of just the Lord's reestablishing Jesus as the center, the foundation of our homes and families, our individual lives, the word we preach. Amen. I love Jerry Baldwin's word at uh, men's the men's breakfast last Saturday. Uh, don't fall in love with healing. Fall in love with a healer. Don't fall in love with deliverance. Be careful. Fall in love with the one who delivered you. And just knowing him, having personal relationship with Jesus. So he's the foundation of our businesses, our church, uh, our relationships beyond the church. And one of the ways that we lay him as foundation, one of the ways that we do that is we do what he says. Amen. We do what he instructs us to do. Amen. Thank you, Holly. Uh, he gives us instruction and we actually carry it out. Luke six forty six. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, well, he's like this, a man building a house who dug deep, everybody say dug deep, and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the floods came against the house, it couldn't shake it, for it was founded on the rock. And if you're just joining us, you need to know everything in the world that can be shaken will be shaken. So now is the time. Get anchored to Christ. Get rooted and grounded in His truth. Can I get an amen? Yeah, now is the time. If you're new to grace, we are united around a mission. The mission of Jesus. Not a meeting. I love Sunday morning. Nobody's got to get me out of bed. I love Sunday morning. But we are not centered on a Sunday morning meeting. We are centered on the mission of Jesus Christ. And that mission goes on all day, every day, 24-7. Amen, somebody. But are we saying, well, we should never rest? No. Part of you walking with him and abiding with him is you need to rest when he tells you to rest and make sure you don't do religious things for him. Do not live the Christian life for Jesus and for his approval. If you're in him and he's in you, you're already approved. Everything you do, you do with him. By His strength, by His grace, by His power, and by His love. He did not enter your heart and spirit to be a spectator. He came inside of you to execute His life and His love through you. His yoke is easy, His burden is light. Amen. What has burned out more, quote, believers, is everybody doing stuff for Jesus, for God. You need to be walking with Him, abiding in Him, and Him in you, and enjoying Him. Because he's already brought you near by his blood. You're not working your way back to you, babe. You know that old song, you're trying to work your way back to God. You can't get to God apart from Jesus Christ. So you're either with him in Christ or you're separate from him. Amen. So walk with him and let's, let's be united as a church body around mission. The mission of Jesus Christ. We've committed to know his person. We've committed his his followers to know his teaching, to know his work, to know his authority and his voice. We are Jesus people at Grace Church. So that's just who we are. If you're new, there's your news flash. We love Jesus. (laughs) Everything hinges on him and his work uh, and bring us into relationship with God. Here's the uh, works of the Lord we've covered so far. Jesus, number one, if we're disciples of Jesus, we want to know what He came to do. Number one, He came to reintroduce the kingdom of God to us by putting the Spirit back in us, extending His Father's rule through us. Number two, He came to destroy the works of the devil. Number three, He came to initiate and establish a new covenant. I just went through Scripture to find the places where He either said, I've come for this purpose, or somebody said about Him, He came for this purpose. So I just dug all those out. Here's the first three that we've covered so far. I hope and pray you were blessed by the new covenant and the new covenant contract. Had a gentleman tell me this morning backstage, he said, for all these years I've been in church, I never, and all the times I took communion, it never dawned on me. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant. I came to establish a new contract between man and God. Been in church practically his whole life. But only the devil himself and his pride, that level of pride, that's a lot of pride, would say to you that your uh, sin is too great, that Jesus Christ was not God enough to cleanse it. Only the devil himself would say, Jesus isn't God enough to put the Holy Spirit back inside of you and he abides with you forever. Not until you mess up, forever. And number two, that he could cleanse you from all your sin, past, present, and future. And number three, that he has the power... And and uh, the God ability to initiate a brand new covenant. So when the enemy comes at you with all that stuff, just tell him to shut up, that he's a liar, and that Jesus is more than God enough to do what he came to do. Let's go to number four. Jesus came not to judge. That's in there three different times. He said, I didn't come to judge the world. But he did come for judgment on spiritual blindness. To judge is a verb. Judgment is a noun. Let's go to John chapter 9. I'm going to read it with you this morning. I don't have it on the screen. It's a little long. So let's go to John chapter 9. This is uh, the man born blind. What a great story. I mean, if you like drama, this is big time drama. John chapter 9. You like soap operas, read John chapter 9. This This is magnificent stuff. He heals this man born blind. First of all, the funniest, funniest thing is, maybe not the funniest, but one of the funny things is, he's passing by a man who's been blind since birth, and guess what his disciples want to know? Who sinned? This man or his parents? You know, this guy, what a, what a lesser guy. I mean, he, clearly he's, he's, he's a, a sinner, or uh, if you're born blind, how do you commit a sin? I mean, I, I don't understand that rationale. But, did he sin or his parents? Jesus said neither. Only That God would be glorified through his life. That what? That in this weakness, God will be put on display. And so you got the healer with you, Sherry, and they want to know, they want a doctrinal discussion, a theological discussion on who committed sin. This is why his life is so poor. Oh my gosh. So that's at the beginning. We're not even going to read that. Let's go to verse 30. In John chapter 9, we're gonna start in verse 30, if I can get there. The man answered. So there's this long interview. The Pharisees are so just undone that Jesus healed a man who had been blind since birth. They all knew about it. And they said, the man answered and said to the Pharisees, why this is, why this is a marvelous thing that you don't know where he's from, yet he's opened my eyes. Verse 31. Now we know that God doesn't hear sinners. But if anyone's a worshiper of God and does his will, well, he'll hear him. Since the world began, it's been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who's born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. So basically, he's building Jesus' case that he is of God and he is the Messiah. Verse 34, the Pharisees answered and said to him, You were completely born in sins, and you're going to teach us something? Woo! My goodness! talk about heavy self-righteousness. Luke 18:9 Jesus told a parable to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised other people. The fruit of self-righteousness, you can always see it. Is that everybody else is less than you. Even the disciples had a version of it when they said who sinned this man or his parents? My goodness. Okay, so you were completely born in sins and you're going to teach us something Then they said, and then they cast him out. They threw him out of church because he testified that Jesus clearly is of God. He can't be a sinner. He healed me. I was born blind. Nobody's ever heard of this. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out and when he found him, he said to him, do you believe in the Son of God? And he answered and said, well, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? He said, I've never met him. And Jesus said, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. See, remember, he was blind when he met Jesus. He hadn't seen him. Jesus said, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And he was healed. So he doesn't know what he looks like. So he says, do you believe in the Son of God? And he said, well, I've never met him. And Jesus said, you've both seen him. He's talking with you. Verse 38, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Isn't that something? And Jesus said, here it is, underline it in your Bible. Here it is, for judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who say, or those who see may be made blind. Come on, talk to your spirit man, listen. For judgment, he says three other times, I'll show them to you. He'd come to judge the world. Jesus said that. And then right here he says, For judgment, I've come into the world that those who do not see may see and those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees had a lightning flash uh, thought, (laughs) a flash of brilliance, and said to him, Are we blind also? And Jesus said, Oh, get ready. If you were blind, you'd have no sin. But because you say you can see, your sin remains on you. What are they doing? Who are they trusting in? Themselves. Their holiness, their righteousness. He's saying, if you would admit you need God, if you would recognize you can't be like God without God, this whole thing you've built is a fallacy. If you would admit that you're blind and you need help from God, your sins would be forgiven. But because you want to build your own kingdom, you want to trust in your own self-righteousness, your sin remains on you. Wow. So the word judgment here, if you eat this passage, is krima. It means a judgment, a verdict, to distinguish between, to make a distinction. He didn't come to judge, that's a verb, but there is a byproduct of His presence. When you're standing before light and God Himself, love and truth, what you do with who He is is your judgment. In other words, a verdict is rendered. A distinction is made between those who love light and those who love darkness. Those who want help, those who don't. I've got this God. I'll take care of it myself. Does that make sense to you? A distinction distinction was clearly made between the receptivity of one man who was born blind, his heart's soil... And the Pharisees heart soil. There's a grand distinction being made. That's why he told him, for judgment I've come into the world. I didn't come, he didn't come to say, uh, Pharisees, I, I judge you, okay, you're okay. He didn't come and say, you hell, you heaven, uh, you're good, you're bad. He didn't come to judge that way. But judgment is the byproduct of truth standing right in front of you. What will you do with him? He is the way, the truth, and the life. You cannot escape. You cannot escape that the soil and the condition of your heart where Jesus is concerned is put on display when he calls you. Within it is this word that we all tend to drift from, accountability. (laughs) they do not recognize their need for Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord because they're going to trust in their intellect, their religious performance to have a relationship with God. Hence, if you would admit you need me, your sins would be forgiven. But because you despise me and you trust in your religious system for righteousness, then your sin remains on you. In the modern, it reminds me of 1 Peter 5 and James chapter 4. God opposes the proud, but gives what? Grace to the humble. It is by grace we are saved through faith. Grace is His power. Faith is your humility and receptivity. Then your acknowledgement that you can't be like Him without Him. And you can't have a relationship without Him. And you sure can't have, uh, you sure can't have all your sins forgiven by your effort. If you're going to get clean, he will have to do it. Now, here's the problem. He did it. That's right. And we don't believe it. We live separate from him. We live, oh, I'm no good. I'm just an ugly old sinner. No, you're not. If you're in Christ, you're the righteousness of God. Right. Amen. Your spirit, man, is holy and pure, just as pure and holy as the Spirit of Jesus Christ himself. Because it's his spirit in your spirit. Whoever is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. 1 Corinthians 6.17 You've been made one with Christ. The same spirit, Romans 8.11 that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. I want you to dare to believe that Jesus is God enough to eradicate all your sin so that the Spirit of God could move back inside of you and you could have intimacy again. That you have a safe place to walk and to learn from. That he'll never leave you or forsake you. Does he see your big pieces of stupid? Yes, he does. But it doesn't make him despise you. You see your guilt and shame, he sees the reason he came. (laughs) Your neediness. And just because you got saved doesn't mean you don't need him anymore. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Modern day, think of the college campuses today. Where they go, I watch those interviews, you know, when they talk to people on college campuses where they have so much knowledge and wisdom and revelation. We just know everything. Oh, we're so smart. And they'll ask him about heaven. They'll ask him about relationship with God. And they'll say, yeah, I'm going to heaven because I'm pretty good. That's what they say. Or I do more good than bad. Humanism. They're still trusting in themselves that they're righteous. And their basis for it is, I'm better than most. Most is not the standard. Your husband's not the standard. The neighbor's not the standard. Jesus is the standard. And you don't measure up without Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Only the humble recognize, I cannot be like God without Him. I must have His Spirit. If God's going to be seen in me today, it's going to be Him revealing Himself through my humility and my willingness. The humble know that they need God. Who did Jesus say the kingdom belongs to? Matthew 5, 3. The poor in spirit. Those who know, they acknowledge, you are flat broke where righteousness and goodness is concerned apart from God. The kingdom doesn't belong to the most religiously deserving or observing. It belongs to the most receptive. The kingdom belongs to the humble. That's why he said it belongs to children. He also said that. He also said it belongs to the persecuted because you get your, your uh, brains beat in long enough, you get persecuted long enough, people throw stones at you long enough, it tends to humble you. That's who the kingdom belongs to. All three instances that he tells us who it belongs to. Jesus is saying the purpose of his coming is salvation, not condemnation. And yet the byproduct is that a distinction is made between those who are poor in spirit and know they need God and those who are self-reliant and depend on themselves. Why do you think, (coughs) excuse me, I just swallowed my own spit. (laughs) Time out. (laughs) why do you think that the harlots the prostitutes the beggars the blind they loved him they knew they needed him it was the human beings that trusted in religious systems trusted in their self-righteous uh trusted in their outward religious garb the the length of their tassels how much they prayed they were the ones who hated him How many of you worked out? Raise your hand. <laughs> wow. Four or five. <laughs> that was good, Lord. That was good. All right, so you're working out. How many of you remember Arnold Schwarzenegger in 1985? He was pretty buff, right? Pretty cut. So Brian's in the gym. He's working out. Arnold Schwarzenegger comes in. Now, Arnold did not come to the gym to judge Brian. But there is a judgment that is rendered by the mere presence of Arnold Schwarzenegger standing next to Brian working out. (laughs) Good, Gretchen. Gretchen says, I disagree. Go to war for him. Ah, Amen. (laughs) What would you say? Twins. (laughs) Yeah. Whoa, Arnold. Well, nice. Glad you could, you know... Be my twin here today. So Jesus shows up. Holiness is on display. Truth, real righteousness, and judgment comes to those who are trusting in themselves to be righteous. He didn't come to judge them. But there is a verdict rendered. There is a distinguishing uh, between their righteousness, which is all outward, and His, which is pure in heart. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. So let me put this on here for you. The ministry of Jesus, which aims to save, inevitably reveals both the blindness and unbelief that condemns or to reveal the belief that saves. In other words, we have to choose who we say He is And we are held accountable for our choice. He didn't come to judge you. Your choice of who He is is your judgment. Make sense? We have to choose. And this is why, young people, I want to tell you something. Do not listen to the world that says Jesus is just another religious choice you can make. I am with all the young people in this room who despise religion and have seen the pain that it causes. The absolute division and, and chaos. I mean, you know how many people have been killed on this planet in the name of religious belief? It's uh, an atrocity. But listen to me. He's not a religious figure that you choose from. Jesus is God. Amen. He is God. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen your father He's the very express image of the nature of God. That's Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. I'll get with you here in a little bit, okay? Thanks. Uh, Colossians 1.15 says that he's the visible representation of the invisible God. So that's just the reality, young people. The world wants to tell you that there's just all these religious choices and all of them are the same and it doesn't really matter. You know, religion is religion. That is a lie Jesus Christ made Himself out to be God. Not only that others said He was God, where He didn't refute them, but He said Himself that He was God, the Son of God. He told Caiaphas upon the interview, It is as you say. Caiaphas ripped his clothes and had him ordered immediately to be murdered. Blasphemy, He said. This man makes himself out to be God. You have to understand, Jesus Himself, Said He is God in the flesh. Okay? I don't like religion, young people, any more than anybody else. It's deadly. It's mean. It's a competition. But Jesus is not a religious person. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And He did not come to judge you, but His mere presence of coming reveals that a decision has to be made. What will you do with him? This might sound familiar. Who do you say that I am? You have to answer that question. And honestly, he's either absolutely insane to make himself out to be God and be murdered for it, or he is who he said he, said he is. Let's look at John 3:16. This is a new, a new American standard. "For God so loved the world," Jesus said, that He gave His only Son, that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life." What's eternal life? John 17:3. Let Scripture interpret Scripture. What's John 17:3? What is eternal life? Jesus said, "To know God and to know Jesus Christ. Why did God give His Son so you could know Him? Know God and know Jesus Christ. Verse 17. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but so that the world might be saved through Him. And then verse 18. The one who believes in Him is not judged or condemned. It's the same word. The one who does not believe has been judged already because he's not believed in the name, the authority, the person, the character of the only Son of God. Look at verse 19. And this is the judgment. See, He came for judgment. Not to judge, but judgment. This is the judgment, that the light is coming to the world. And people love darkness rather than light, for their deeds were evil. That's what gets revealed. Who wants to stay in the dark and worship their own works and self-righteousness? If they love their works and their religious system, they won't come to the light for help. They don't need Him. They're worshiping themselves and their own righteousness. Or who else loves the dark? Who else won't come out? Someone who loves their sin. I love the world. I love sin. I love lust. I love my money. I don't need him. I will worship these things. Make sense? This is the judgment. Light. Me. I've come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light. For their deeds were evil. They love their deeds. They are attached to their own self-righteousness. So you hear, you've got the offender knows he is encompassed in wrong but refuses to advance to the light lest his own deeds be exposed. That he's trusting in himself for these righteous or that he loves his sin. Now, verse 18... The one who believes, guess what? This is a a verb, and it doesn't just mean right then. Once you believe and are born again, then that belief keeps you what? Free from judgment for all eternity. Okay? This word believe is not just like, like if Cindy one day has doubts, it doesn't mean God's ready to push the fiery devil button and send her to hell. You can believe, amen, you can believe unto salvation. You get born again. And the Word of God comes into your heart. That's when you're made one with Him, Spirit to Spirit. And that lasts for all eternity. You are free from judgment because you have believed in the one and only Son of God. Now, do we quit believing, though? No, we want to continue receiving. We want to continue walking with Him. We want to act on the decision that we've made. Let's look at John 12. John 12, verse 45. This is the Amplified Bible. Jesus said, Whoever sees me sees him who sent me. Who's he making himself out to be? God. That's why I'm saying it's not just other people. Oh, water. It's not just other people they're saying he's God. He's making himself out to be God. That's why they wanted to kill him. He was not near as brash and bold about it as others were. But... When they would say, my Lord and my God, remember Thomas, when Thomas was, touched his, uh, his hands and his side and all that. He didn't say, be quiet, Thomas, I'm not God, I'm just a man. Verse 46, I have come as light into the world so that whoever believes in me and cleaves to me, relies on me, may not continue to live in what? Darkness. See, the judgment is on spiritual darkness. Verse 47, if anyone hears my teachings and fails to observe them, doesn't keep them, disregards them, it is not I who judges him. Woo, hallelujah. Come on, Holy Ghost, help me out. My my orange square is not working. Okay, so whoever doesn't believe my words, I don't judge them. Look at this, for I've not come to judge. I've not come to condemn, pass sentence. I've not come to inflict penalty on the world. I came to save the world. Hallelujah. This is why we're Jesus people. We love Him. Verse 48. Anyone who rejects me and persistently sets me at naught, refusing to accept my teachings, has his own judgment. For the very message that I have spoken will itself judge and convict him at the last day. I don't need to judge. The truth will judge you. He knows He's the Messiah. He knows He's God in the flesh. And He knows He's the lifeboat sent to this planet to save us from ourselves and our sin. He knows it. So He says, I'm not here to judge anybody. The truth will judge you in the last day. Powerful. So when He says, I didn't come to judge, it's not His direct assignment. It's not His primary purpose. He's coming to save men's lives, not destroy. Write this down. Luke 9, 51 through 56. This is your lunch scripture assignment. This is good stuff, man. If you like drama, read this one. Luke 9, 51. Don't read it now. I'm talking to you. <laughs> <They're> all... <laughs> I'll tell you what happens. Luke's not... Luke 9, 51 through 56. They're getting ready to go to a Samaritan Village. And uh, I think it's James and John, if I remember right. Somebody look it up. Ed, go ahead. Look it up. You got it? Okay, read it. You got 51 through 56? Yeah. Here, let me get over close to you so we can hear it. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, and he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. Oh, the Samaritans, the lesser thence. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, yeah. saw this, they said, "Lord, do you want us to command a fire to come down from heaven and consume them, just as Elijah?" They said, "Can we kill them? That's what they're saying. Can we kill these Samaritans? We don't like them anyway. Half breeds, right? The half breed. We don't like these people." Okay, go ahead. Okay. Um, but he returned. But he turned and we rebuked, rebuked them, them and said. Do you not know, you do not know what matter of spirit you are of? Oh my goodness. For the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Woo! Oh my goodness. That is good. How about that, man? Talk about self-righteous. That's off the charts. Can we kill these people? They're way less than us. Oh goodness. So, so ju- he's not coming to judge as a direct assignment. He didn't come to destroy men's lives, he came to save them. How about this one? Luke 19:10. He came to seek and save the lost. His mission is not to condemn. His mission is to 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 seek and to save that which is lost. But in saving people <laughs> by by in saving people by his truth, by his love, by his righteousness, the condition of our hearts is revealed. Amen. And quickly, some were separated unto their unbelief and death. And others saw the light of life in front of them. And they believed to the saving of their soul and were forever changed. I ask you today, are you trusting one ounce In your own merits. You must ask yourself this question. Because when I talked about. Arnold Schwarzenegger earlier. The presence of real righteousness. Is an indictment. On whatever righteousness you've been trusting in. And so lovingly I ask you. I mean look at the Pharisees. They say they're holy. They say we forgive. We love. We keep all the law. We're amazing. But when he shows up. Judgment is rendered. And the, the response should be, we cannot trust ourselves. Jesus is the standard, not the sinners. Right. So Jesus saves by being the truth, speaking the truth, doing the truth. And those who are not of the truth. John 18, 37. That's what he told Pilate. Refuse to embrace him as Savior, and as a result, are condemned. If any one of you wind up in hell, separated from God, he did not send you there, he did not come to judge you, he came to offer you the gift. Once the gift is offered, if you'll humble yourself, you can know God. All of heaven can belong to you. If you return away from your your self-righteousness and trusting in yourself and, and grab hold of him, you have the gift. It's yours. He did not come to judge you, but your determination of what to do with him is your judgment. It is your judgment. He who has not believed is condemned already. For this blindness is a moral blindness. It's a spiritual blindness, not a physical blindness. And men are blind when what? When they love the darkness, John 3:19, and their deeds that are concealed there with them. When they love that more than they love the light. And hear me. Unfortunately, spiritual blindness, moral blindness does not excuse you from your accountability. You have to choose. And I tell you that because I love you. And I don't want any young person getting confused because the world is all filled with confusion right now. He's not a religious choice. In John chapter 1, let's peek over there. i got a little bit of time. John chapter 1. Verse one. Look what he says again here. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word, or sorry, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Did you notice that? He, not a book. He's not talking about the Bible. I love the Bible. But the book wasn't there in the beginning. Jesus was. The living Word. The one you need to know. (laughs) In order to inherit eternal life. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life of Christ, look at this, was the light of men. All those deeds can't light you up. Only He can. He's the light of men. You're made by Him and for Him. So when you receive Him, He lights you. You don't go away kicking rocks like, man, what in the world? Religion will do that to you. Not Him. You're made for Him. When He breathes His life by the Spirit into your spirit, you come alive. He lights you. And He doesn't light you to hide you under a bushel. Verse 5, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not overtake it. And now go down to verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, but the world didn't know Him. And He came to His own, and His own did not what? Receive Him. How do you get Jesus? Receive Him. And you get healed, receive him. It's all covenant provided. It's all in Him. That's why, again, don't fall in love with healing. Fall in love with a healer. You know what's greater than a miracle of healing? And I've, I've seen a number of them. It's fantastic. But divine health every day is greater. Walking in divine health, heeding His Word, walking in righteousness and peace and forgiveness and love. Uh, every fruit of the Spirit is life-giving and health-producing for human beings. Did you notice that? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. That's all healthy. You can go work out at the gym all day, every day. If you've got bitterness, resentment, uh, evil in your heart, you're killing yourself. And so then he says, but as many, verse 12, as received him, to them he gave the power to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, look at this, who were born. Everybody say born. born. Not of blood, that's your mama, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but born of God. You must be born again. And so that's that initial believing where you're passed out of, out of judgment when you receive Him. You believe He is who He says He is and you receive Him and you consent for His Spirit to penetrate your spirit. Come inside you and live. Be your best friend forever. Yeah, He's Lord. Yeah, He's Savior. But He's your best friend. Matthew 10.34, write this one down. Jesus said, do not think I came to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. What's he saying? I I came to bring a distinction. There is a uh, separation that happens upon my coming. Did he say, um, excuse me. He's not saying, bless you. He's not saying he didn't bring peace. Are there scriptures where Jesus clearly came and brought peace between man and God. Absolutely, he did. Multiple scriptures, even he is the prince of peace. So he's not saying he didn't come to bring peace, but that's not all his coming unveils. There is a sword of separation between those who love light and truth and those who love darkness. And men will be held accountable for their lack of belief and receptivity to the presence of Jesus. I'm not talking about if you have doubts. I'm talking about believing, trusting, getting up when you stumble, walking with Him, talking with Him on a daily basis. Look at Matthew 13. So He tells the parable of the sower. We're we all kind of familiar with that, the, the different four soils. Soils have to do with the condition of people's hearts. How receptive are you? Therefore I speak to them, this is verse 13, they asked him, let me give you the background. They asked him, why do you speak in parables? Why don't you just come out and tell them like it is. I speak to them in parables because seeing they don't see, hearing they don't hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. Hearing you'll hear and won't understand, seeing you'll see, but you won't perceive. Look what he says. For the what? For the heart's of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so I could heal them. He, he did not come to judge you. He came to heal you. Amen. Glory and if, well, I'm going to say it again. If any of, any of us wind up in eternal separation from God or in hell... It was our choice, not his. Note also three modes, three ways that a human being receives. Your eyes, your ears, and your heart. You are a branch. So be careful what you put in front of your receiving mechanisms. Your eyes, your ears, and your heart. Be careful. If all you watch is the news, I'm praying for you. If all you listen to is like CNN and all that stuff, I'm pray, turn it off. Amen. You are a branch. Whatever is piped into you from your source, your vine, which Jesus said, I want to be your source and your vine, uh, that's what you're going to reflect. And it's full of fear, uh, sin, idolatry, anguish, pain, deception. You're not even getting news. You're getting propaganda based on whichever political parties paid those people off. Did you hear what I just said? That's the, the slants you see, the gross slants in difference in news, is who's funding them. Amen. Amen. Gavin, you guys can come. I want to put this on the screen. We recognize, and if you want to take a picture of this, you can. It's powerful. We recognize who is blind and who can see by how people respond to and receive Jesus Christ. He did not come to judge you, but your response to him is the judgment. His mere presence reveals the condition of the soil of our hearts towards him, towards his love, towards his truth. And every single person must answer his question. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Will you stand with me? Boy, every head bowed, every eye closed. I want, you know, I've been praying for young people, but I'm really praying for everybody. Who do you say that He is? You must be born again. You must be born again. He loves you. He did not come to judge you. His judgment is pronounced upon spiritual blindness. I pray, Father, that eyes were opened today by the Spirit and that many were able to come out of spiritual darkness and see the light of day and trust Him as the light of life. So if you're here this morning and you'd say, Brother Steve, that's me. I've never been born again, never got water baptized. That's not part of it. I mean, in in the sense that you don't have to be water baptized to be saved. It's just a public profession of what's happened in your spirit, man. It's a symbol of new life. But if you're here and you say, Brother Steve, I want to be born again. I'm, I'm, I'm going to invite Jesus Christ by His Spirit to penetrate my heart and life my dead spirit. If that's you, would you slip your hand up real high and say, pray for me. Anyone? Anybody? Thank you, brother. Anyone else? Anybody else? Do not spend eternity in darkness. Let's pray this prayer all together for our brother back here. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning and I recognize that I have been in darkness. But Lord Jesus, you are the light of life and I invite you, come into my heart, cleanse me of all sin, renew me and now birth me by Your power as God's child. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for penetrating my heart, my spirit and my mind, and giving me a brand new start. I purpose now to walk with You all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, everybody say Amen. Amen congratulations. Bless you, sir. Amen. I want to say this before I let you go. The Lord reminded me before I started and I didn't say anything. He reminded me again. If this makes sense to you, I don't want you to just hear it for yourself. We had one gentleman that raised his hand today. So I'm assuming with that You all are secure in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's what I want to tell you. Take what you heard today. Let it marinate. Sit with the Lord with it so you can share it. You can share this with your children. You can share this with your grandchildren. You can share this. You have a brother, a brother-in-law who doesn't know Christ. He didn't come to judge them. Can I get a witness? Jesus doesn't have a great reputation in the world all the time. He's greatly misunderstood. Sit with this. This is powerful today, revelation. And let's, if you're already safe and you're secure in your relationship with Christ, take this, let it equip you so you can change your Jerusalem. Amen? Father, I thank you for this. I thank you that by the power of the Holy Spirit, the gathered church, Lord, we are to be your witnesses. You didn't come to judge, but you did come for judgment on the hearts of people, the condition of people's hearts. And so, Lord, just thank you for equipping us. We now purpose, Lord, to just dive into this. That we may greater understand your mission and your work. And invite people, just like Maya today, to choose you. We love you. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody. said, amen. Give God praise this morning. We love you, Lord. If you have questions, stick around. We'll meet with you at the front. Otherwise, be blessed. You've been listening to Grace Church, advancing God's kingdom, one heart at a time. For more, visit us online at gracechurch.community.